Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Quickly, just before we go to John Shannon, Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott joining you. You can text us at any time on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Former defenseman Mark says, Bob, I was unaware that Dave Tippett was the international man of mystery. Who knew? What a costume. Really, Austin Powers under that disguise. So now that the Oilers got their mojo back last season, yeah, baby, yeah. That one comes to us from former defenseman Mark. It was a good start. No question. It was a good start last year. And uh, an opportunity for some uh, growth carrying forward. Again, you can test us at any time at 780-496-0063. You heard it from the coach direct. It's his belief of the additions that were made up front and maybe a little bit of a change in the guard of the type of defense that the Oilers have that they can defend better by spending less time in their own zone. Jeez, I, I think that there's a guy every Tuesday that I've been having that debate with, I don't know, forever. Uh, but the guy on Monday and on Wednesday on this show is John Shannon, and that's where we're going to go next, our NHL insider. John, how you doing? Fine, Bob. You? Good. You talk to people around the league on an everyday basis on a multitude of topics. Of course, you've got your uh, – actually, you might as well give it a plug right now. What do you got shaking with Bob McCowan, where you guys end up interviewing some of the biggest uh, people in the hockey business? Well, not just hockey, but sports. We do a, a podcast three days a week uh, under the banner of the McCowan podcast. Uh, and uh, we actually uh, just finished uh, doing Eugene Melnick yesterday. Uh, that's now up on uh, where people get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube as well. Uh, and uh, Eugene was rather interesting when it came to the process of and, and, the, and what we're going through with the vaccine and how long. And then we talked a little bit about his hockey club. 
Well, all right. Well, let's get to, I mean, full disclosure, Eugene has a pharmaceutical background, as yeah. you know. Uh, what is What was kind of his perspective on where we're headed from a National Hockey League? When, when did he kind of foresee a potential startup? How are we going to be able to deal with this? And when are we going to get fans back potentially in the buildings? Well, I think that that's what he really is concerned about. He, 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 may, he, he certainly, and, and um, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but what he... He really said was that uh, the you know the juggling act that uh, Gary and Bill are up against now in dealing with the owners, some who want to play now, some who want to play later, some who will actually lose less money uh, if they don't play, uh, is uh, is a real issue. But he says that the the multitude of uh, of uh, options that have been presented, uh, albeit from the board meeting last week. Uh, on Thursday, that uh, he was quite impressed with with the planning and the and how intricate and developed things were. Um, you, you know, he's I don't you know the the, the January first, January third dates are coming up. Uh, I'm not sure Eugene is um, I'm not sure Gene is on fully on board with that. But uh, the, the interesting thing, Bob, was he uh, uh, we asked him about being in the Canadian division. And he said he wasn't really too thrilled about it because all the teams in Canada are so darn good. Um, but uh, I think he was half joking when he said it. So it, it, it was fun. Eugene was uh, Eugene is always very approachable, and uh, I don't think he was controversial, but he was quite thorough in his discussion of the vaccine and and how it will uh, how it will play out. But he he's not near as optimistic about the vaccine as as many people. Interesting, because there was another announcement today, I believe, with Moderna. Uh, so, yeah, so that's two now. Uh, and, and Eugene, I, he would know. I mean, and there's a litigious nature to getting these sort of things uh, pushed forward, um, approved. Now they can, I guess, insert. Do you think there's, here again, are we going to see a difference between Canada and the United States on the vaccine front? Well, I certainly it, hope not. Um, you, you, know, if, you know, but... You know, let's face it. Um, there's two. There's two levels to worry about. First of all, are, they, are is there going to be enough vaccine for everyone, uh, and then will everybody have the vaccine? Uh, which is another question for another day, and probably another much more complex show than you and I do, Bob. Um, but but certainly, how you how you're supposed to do vaccinate 300 million Americans and almost 40 million Canadians. Yeah, uh, so what, did he specify what his concern was over the vaccines, or was he just sort of relating it to his own personal experience in terms of getting other uh, potential vaccines and other drugs approved? A, a little bit of both. Uh, the one thing that he really brought up was that the, uh, is the temperature that the, uh, the Pfizer and the Moderna yes. uh, uh, vaccines have to be held at. Is There aren't many places that can do that right now. And I mean, it's like at 80 degrees Celsius, and it's a, a difficult. It's a, that's a difficult temperature to get to, particularly if you're talking about uh, you know general uh, general uh, public uh, distribution. Yeah, I believe the Moderna one it doesn't have quite the wide range that the Pfizer one does. We're joined don't by John. The Pfizer one also is a two dose system. Yes, yes, absolutely, good stuff, John. John Shannon joining us. Just about the Canadian division. I mean, I, it, it's funny. Uh, Emily Kaplan from ESPN put her projections out there and had the Oilers missing the playoffs, 
Edmonton did have the highest points We don't percent. even know when we're playing yet. How can we have predictions about playoffs? And we don't know if it's going to be an all. <laughs> I, 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 that's, I'll ask the question differently. Is it safe to assume we're going to have an all-Canadian division if we do return to play? Under the present circumstances, yes. There we go. Uh, I was. I mean, I mean, you know, there, you know, there's a a real push on here in Toronto uh, by the NBA team, by by Masai Ujiri and the Raptors, uh, to allow the Raptors to play in Canada. Um, and if that's the case, then it would it would change the whole dynamic for NHL teams coming. But it's only one team versus seven. Eugene actually talks about that in the. Uh, um, in the in the podcast as well, but what I would say is that uh, you know I, that I don't th- I don't see the general travel ban changing very soon. When you're considering how many, you know, there are over 11 million cases now in the United States. That's that's a million in the last two weeks, Bob. Um, you know, I don't see the border opening um, a great deal, and I don't see them allowing. If they didn't allow it for baseball, I don't see them allowing it for basketball, and I don't see them allowing it for hockey. Let's circle back to the Canadian division here for a second, if we do indeed get one. Uh, the Oilers last year actually had the, this is. Do we have to remember this, John, when we're evaluating? And this is the thing, because I'm going to hit you with a hockey one straight here. Like we just the had hockey Dave, question. Wow. Yeah, instead of yes. Uh, well, I mean, hey, you had Eugene on. I had to go down that path, right? So, so, so let's switch focus. Uh, we just had Dave Tippett on, and we talked a bit about the Canadian uh, division, and I reminded him. On this date a year ago, it was a Saturday afternoon game at Rogers Place. The Oilers built up a 4-2 third-period lead. Dallas scored twice in the third, and they won it in overtime. Overtime, And had had the Oilers won that game in regulation, they would have ended up fourth, and Dallas would have ended up fifth in the Western Conference. That's how that swing, and now the Oilers twice won in Dallas later in the year. To be honest with you, as a, if I looked at it neutrally, I would say Edmonton was fortuitous to have won both those games in Dallas. They were outshot. I think uh, Koskinen made 41 saves in both games. But the point is, it shows you how close, and, and where I'm going with this, John, is we have a lot of people, well, Edmonton had a bad, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't any good defensively. I saw some guy that used to work for an NHL organization yesterday say McDavid's not even one of the five best centers in the NHL. This after the NHL network picked McDavid number one and Dreisaitl third. Um, Do we maybe need to just scale back overly assessing what happened during the play-in series and take a look at the overall body? Like, How do you sort of massage the two to get an evaluation of what your team was last season and maybe where it can grow and progress carrying forward. I, I think it's pretty easy to discard the the, the postseason. Um, and, and really, in the end, I think the postseason means only... Uh, the, the only teams it means anything for are Dallas and Tampa. Uh, you know, one that was expected to win and did and one that overachieved. Uh, but I think this is a conversation. They're the same type of conversation they're having in Colorado. I don't think Colorado is is inferior to Dallas. Do you? No, no. I don't. Um, I think that the Oilers, you know, the numbers the numbers prove out what the regular season was all about. And I think that that's one of the reasons why you have to look forward to a 56 or a 60 or a 70 game regular season as this team gets its mojo back. Uh, I, I I I wouldn't. I wouldn't put any. I wouldn't put very much stock in the return to play tournament. Um, it was what it was. It it, it 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 fit the bill in the short term, um, but it's not anything that I would worry about long term. 
Well, it's funny because I had a conversation with a couple people today that are coaches in the league, and they just laughed when you know one of them suggested. Well, I, I said there's there was a narrative out there being pushed that the Oilers lost because McDavid and Drysaddle didn't play good enough defense in the playoffs here, and they're like, how far down the list did that individual come up before? Was <laughs> why, and I'm like, yeah, and it was over a you know over a four game like I just I, I kind of and, and this is a thing conversely. I remember when in 12-13, John, the Oilers had a pretty good year under Ralph Kruger. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and behold, you know, we thought, well, geez, Yakupov scored five goals in his final two games, led the team in goal scoring. You got Hall, you got Nugent Hopkins, you got Everly, you got Schultz. You know, they're, they're, they're headed in the right direction, and they couldn't build upon it. But this, to me, is a little bit different. You know what I mean? Like, bigger well, body of work and better players. I think it's tremendously different. Yeah. I think it's totally different. Uh, and I think that what you saw as the regular season uh, evolved last year was, um, you know, Dave and Ken understanding exactly what what they have at, uh, with their hockey club and, and what changes need to be made. It's interesting to hear Dave Tippett say they're going to play the game differently defensively uh, because I think that, you know, his frustration at times last year was pretty palpable because, uh, but I think he was still learning what his roster was all about, what his what his strengths and weaknesses, with or without injuries, what his strengths and, and weaknesses were on the blue line, and now that he's had time to think about it, I think that there's a, a there's a new way to to approach it, a new battle plan for that blue line, and I think it'll make a huge difference. I think I, you know, the, the off season for both Holland and Tippett, I think will be invaluable to where this team will be and be off to a better start, be off to a, uh, you know, and, and, and not have any lulls in it because I think they know their players better now as opposed to last year. Glenn has texted the show to say, I can't believe how sick I am of your, if this had happened, the Oilers would have. They are so tiring and who cares? It didn't happen. Glenn, the point is, this is how close the Oilers were to Dallas. And Dallas was allowed to go through three uh, round-robin games where they didn't look very good and work their way into a series against Calgary and come back and win the series. But it also speaks to, uh, and, and I think the Oilers saw this, because it, it speaks to the importance of goaltending, Bob. Yes. You, you know, I mean, uh, there were a lot of deficiencies in the Chicago Blackhawks that Corey Crawford, you know, fixed in at least a couple of those games against the Oilers. Yeah, game four in particular. And and Anton Hudobin. Uh, I mean, holy smokes, how many times was Anton Hudobin... Uh, you know, he, he should he should not have to buy a meal from from any teammate on that roster for the next two years. I mean, he he saved their bacon how many times um, based on just pure absolute outstanding goaltending when uh, when in many ways Dallas was in a rope a dope situation. John, by the way, in that overtime game a year ago today. Ben Bishop got chased, and Hudobin came off the bench and made a couple brilliant saves when the sure. Oilers were up 4-2. There you go. There's that illustration. When you talk to the NHL executives around the league, where do they have McDavid slotted in terms of, you know, amongst the best players in the world? Do they have him in the one hole? Is he, you know, and is there concern about his defensive abilities? <laughs> Every person who you talk to will will talk about Connor McDavid in in 
all glowing terms. And, I mean, there isn't one aspect of anything that would concern any of the guys that I've ever talked to about McDavid. I mean, listen, there are 30 general managers that would be glad to take him off Kenny's hands. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the argument becomes, you know, the debate becomes for pundits. The debate becomes for talk radio. Um, McKinnon versus McDavid. You know, Panarin versus McDavid. I know they play different positions, but that's going to be the discussion. It's going to be the discussion with the, you know, the five most exciting players in hockey. Uh, and and Connor's Connor's in the one or the one A hole. Did yeah. I actually say that? I did. But he's he's in that position. You know, it's that, appropriate he, for this segment. Yeah, probably. Well, I, you know, we'll see. We'll see one day. But I mean, that to me is the, that's the big that's the big thing. That's the big thing. I was watching TV bloopers this morning. I think I could be on them now. Um, uh, but I mean, he's 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 one or one A. That's what he. Yeah. Is. So, well, you know, I, I, it's something to be proud of in Edmonton, not to be worried about. Well, you know, the funny thing is, I think back to the 16-17 season, and McKinnon had a horrendous season, and so did Colorado. In the last three years, Nathan McKinnon's been a top three player in the world all three years, okay? Yep. He's yep. been over 90 points all three seasons. He maybe should have. I mean, Taylor Hall won the MVP in 17-18. Nate McKinnon was right there. Uh, so McKinnon's been terrific the last three years. Connor McDavid's been top two in scoring for four consecutive years, and he missed yeah. a bunch of games last year. And I mean, he you know finished 13 points behind Drysaddle. Well, he missed six games. That's a actually he might have even missed seven. Come to think of it, you know, it. I, I, when it comes to discussing what the Oilers are, and what, I mean, I'm never going to be concerned about what Connor McDavid brings to the dance. Nor Leon Dreisaitl now. I think a year and a half ago I might have, but not not Leon Dreisaitl now. So the question becomes: Is where's the secondary stuff going to come from? That's they... going to be the key for the Oilers. You know, good teams, and I mean, and and you you see this around the NHL. Good teams know where their their strength in depth is, and that's what the Oilers have been working on. That's what Kenny Holland's been trying to improve. Connor and Leon are not the issue. It's who's around Connor and Leon. Can they contribute enough to make a difference? And can the blue line be deep enough to make a difference? That to me, and, and, I, th- and I think, you know, both Holland and, and Tippett understand that, particularly Dave, who knows on a day-to-day basis he's going to have to have some machinations on the blue line to make his, his defenseman that much more effective. Not better, but more effective. And that's when, you, you know, if, and if you have the puck in the other zone, you're a pretty good defensive team. Well, I'll take it one step further and relate it to the NFL, John. A year ago, Lamar Jackson won the MVP. Okay? Now, the Baltimore Ravens do not have a lot of big-time playmakers on offense. No. You know, uh, Lamar Jackson, obviously, is a, is, a, is a pretty good quarterback who's an electrifying player. Right now, the two favorites are probably Pat Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs, who won the MVP the year before. He does have a bunch of playmakers. And maybe Kyler Murray has got into the conversation from Arizona. Arizona went out and got arguably the biggest play wide receiver in the league in DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason. I had this conversation with yesterday before the end of uh, with somebody before the end of the game where Murray threw up a prayer, you know, 55 yards downfield, and DeAndre Hopkins went out and out jumped three guys for the game winning touchdown. And it was and and you look at Hopkins came from. Uh, uh, Houston, 
And they get a pretty good quarterback out of Clemson. That, you know, wow. that was they had a good team a year ago, almost beat Kansas City, and now that team is in the full blown crapper because their quarterback doesn't have a playmaker to go get to go make plays. Well, you need support. Well, that's the lesson. And that cost O'Brien his job. That cost right. O'Brien his job when he wouldn't pay Hopkins what he deserved. Right. You know, and and, 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 and and trust me, ownership wouldn't do it, but O'Brien took the hit for it. And Deshaun Watson hasn't looked like quite the same court. No. The bottom line is you need support. Edmonton is positioned up front to have better support. They've got a different type of defense. I have a feeling it might help McDavid out a bit. Um, well, I, you know, I mean, this is where a guy like Kyle Turris, you know, can be such a difference maker for the Oilers. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think that, uh, and I mean, I, I don't look into a crystal ball, but I, knowing what Kyle Turris can do, uh, as an NHL player, a guy who understands what it's like to play in Canada, uh, I think Kyle Turris could be a huge factor for the Edmonton Oilers this year. Great stuff. All right, John, uh, we'll look forward to see if there's any more news. on. Do you think they're quietly working away at stuff right now, kind of keeping it under wraps a little bit for the next week or so, the NHL? I do. I, I do. I, I mean, I, you know, the, the, you know the, the players' return to play committee I don't think has even met as a group with the NHL yet. Uh, we're still at the high-level management groups talking. Uh, I still think there are, there's a ways to go, and all of this, it runs in parallel with measuring where the pandemic is and, and, and how, how dramatic the pandemic numbers are. John, thanks for your time. All the best, Bob. Our NHL insider, John Shannon, Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you. Roos Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated from Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers Now sent you. When we come back, we'll skip into the Oilers Now audio vault. You're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, I'm Darnell Nurse from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. No Alabama, no Oklahoma State to watch this past weekend for me, keeping an eye on Chuba Hubbard. Okay, State plays Oklahoma coming up Saturday. A lot of NFL yesterday. Brendan, you're a Houston Texans fan. You're having a tough year, aren't you? Yeah, this has been, I mean, it's frustrating, Bob, because it looked like this team over the last, you know, five years or so had opportunities to climb over the hump and were just never able to get it done. When they didn't have the quarterback, they had the rest of the team going. They get the quarterback finally and probably the best shot at things last year, and they run into a real solid group of, of destined players led by Patrick Mahomes and then you know I hate to say it 20, but did, 24 nothing though you're up 24 nothing on the road in the playoffs so there's no excuse there by by any means it's it's been frustrating to watch and then seeing how dramatically things shifted over the course of the offseason didn't even get more than six games into the season to see if what O'Brien was trying to execute was really going to pan out um, but you don't trade the best receiver in the NFL and and expect that you're going to be the same team it doesn't work like that now do you agree with me that that's why when you're judging kyler murray who's a great athlete himself he's got the advantage of having that guy that can go get the ball for him like lamar jackson's thrown it to hollywood brown that's his best receiver yeah 
it's night and day difference in terms and, and I, it relates to what happens with the uh, it relates to what happens with the Oilers in terms of judging like it's funny how the Toronto media loves to well you know Edmonton's got no the Oilers had a better record than the Leafs they had a better winning percentage than well, Toronto was in a tougher perhaps they were anyways it just reinforces that for me uh, into the Oilers now audio vault for direct workwear where safety meets savings in Edmonton Fort McMurray and online at directworkwear.com uh, Elliot Friedman says the players want to be playing in the National Hockey League. Their body clocks are like we're a month into the season. Right. So they want to get paid, too. I think it's silly not to look at the economics of all this. But, you know, they, they're players. They play. That's what they do. And this is the time of year they play. And I, I think they want to play. They, they want to get paid. Um, you know, look, I think... When it came to the return to play for last year's playoffs, I thought the PA had the tougher job, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of different players who felt a lot of different things. The teams knew this really wasn't going to be incumbent on them. There were a lot of play. They were the ones who had to play during a time of COVID when we still were really learning about what it was about. Um, you know, I think it was a bigger challenge for the Players Association to get that all in line. Here, I think it's a di- it's a more difficult challenge for the league. Um, you know, is, we're not going to start with fans. There's no guarantee about when or if we're going to be able to have fans. The economics are much... The, the players have their deal, and we'll see where we go with that. But, you know, I think teams are really worried about playing games with no fans in the building. And now the economics are really a bigger concern to them. So I think it's a bigger challenge now uh, for the owners than it was a few months ago. All right, that is Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey on Rogers. Brendan Escott here, Bob Stoffer just stepping out towards the uh, top of the hour here. We're going to reset things on the other side of a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. We'll check in with Steve Hogel from Hockey Edmonton. The junior ranks are playing the youngsters are not and we'll figure out a little bit more detail as to why and sort of how how the reaction to that has been you're listening to oilers now oilers now with bob stoffer weekdays at noon on oilers radio 6 30 chad